0: Let's start this off. i want to start this off with some prayer. And I put that big on the top of my paper so I don't forget to pray because <laughs> I get so caught up in what I'm doing. Um, so let's, uh, let's lift this up. Lord, I am so grateful to be in your house today. So grateful to be with your people. So grateful to be part of what you are doing, Lord, what you have done. I'm so grateful for you saving me, saving us. Giving us hope and a future, giving us abundant life, and uh, giving us a way through this world, so that we can be as as effective as possible for you. So that we can shine for you. So that we can we we can um, we can attain the highest thing possible for us, um, for your glory. And I pray God that you would just speak through me as a vessel, just an empty vessel, that you would just, that it would be your words and that we would all be touched by your word and be encouraged to be one step closer to the highest goal, which is being like you, Lord Jesus. So I pray your blessing on this day. I pray your blessing on this service. And I thank you so much for everyone here. I pray that we would be filled with gratefulness consistently every day, every minute um, for what you've done. So I thank you, Lord, and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Sorry, my voice gets a little weak. Um, It's not like I'm working hard up here, but when I do two services, it it takes a fair amount out of you, I think. And I don't know if it's a nerve thing, but but my voice starts to get lower and lower. So, (laughs) and I have to clear my throat, so I apologize for that. so last time I spoke, now people probably don't remember much of what I said last time. because It was like three weeks ago and we only retain about 8% of what we hear, right? So, so, it's, uh, it's, so I'm going to just revisit some of the, the pertinent things because where we're going now is a continuation. It's kind of where I wanted to go last time, but I didn't have time, which is really weird for me to have more material than time. Um, but this is, it's so good. Um, so last time I spoke, I I was in first John, uh, the first chapter, and it was talking about walking in the light and what that means, walking in truth, exposing ourselves to the truth of God, being willing to be completely, completely naked before God and allowing him to point out the little, little details in our, in our motives and our actions and our, our everything about us and being willing to bring those to him so that he can then take those things and, and cleanse them. Like that is, that is a key part of what we're, we're, we should be doing as Christians. It's, it's, it's that, that humble honesty before God, that willingness to be broken before him, that willingness to allow him to touch every area of our life. And so that is in the, the first chapter. And I, if you, if you remember, uh, I had mentioned, I originally was supposed to speak um, a little bit before Valentine's day. So it was going to be a Valentine's day message that I never got to love, you know, and I'm like, oh, Valentine's great. We'll talk about love. This will be good. And, uh, <clears throat> but I never got there. And the Lord has other plans as you start going through the word. I mean, it's, there's so much depth to it. It's so Packed full of useful things, oh thanks, just because I have this up here doesn't mean i 'll drink it. I think that's in reference now, never mind um, oh, it's a reference to something else the uh but thank you um, where was I? Oh yeah, well, I was going to talk about love and so, but I never got there and so this time i i I believe i'm going to be able to get there, but there's so much to this this these passages in first John, and I'm not going to get into all the details, but I am going to definitely touch on, on the love aspect of things and what he's talking about. And before I do that though, I kind of want to lay a foundation for us. And last time I had mentioned, and we we all know this, you know, when Jesus says I am the way, the truth and the life. And I want to kind of focus on the way for a second. You know, Jesus says, I am the way. And we talked about, Jesus says, I am the truth last time. But Jesus says, I am the way. And when you, when you think about that and you start looking into it, it kind of, it brought me to a passage in Matthew 7, uh, 13 and 14. And it says, <clears throat> enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the way that leads to life and only a few find it. And when I'm, when I'm reading that, I'm thinking like, you have a gate, but then you have, a, you have a way, you have a path. And a path to me suggests walking. Like I've always seen that as, you know, this is either you're on your way to hell or you're not. But I think there's more to it than that. I think there's an active thing to it. And now we need to be walking on that narrow path. And something that we, and I know I do and, and confident that we all do is we have a desire for autonomy. We want to be our own bosses. We want to make our own way. We want things to be easy. Who doesn't, right? You know, that's just our nature. Why not? It'd be great. Easier's better. Uh, <clears throat> but we're called to walk on a narrow, difficult path. So, he has we we can if and I, and i i hate using this but um i think it kind of it gives us a little picture like you know the yellow brick road you're going to emerald city like they're seeing it way far away like that's for us right we see if we look we see the the we're we're aiming at the highest thing right we're seeing the ideal who is christ we're seeing that from far away he says here's the way to get to that ideal. Walk on this path. This is a difficult path, but walk on it. And that's a map, he gives us our map. But I think a lot of times what we wanna do is we can see that but we wanna make our own map. We don't wanna hear how hard the hard things, that we don't wanna hear about the hard things that we, have to, that we might have to do to follow that map. So we'll, take a, we'll kind of take a step away from the right map and we'll make our own. And that doesn't get us there. You know, that it says it leads to destruction. What else leads to destruction? Pride, right? Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall, Proverbs says. You know, so it's that autonomy. So with that as kind of a foundation to kind of build everything else on, you know, in in chapter two of 1 John, there's going to be some hard things that we hear and that are, that challenge us, us, but those hard things are the way. Like the way is not easy. So I would encourage you with that. And I also want to be very careful. And I say this often, but I have to say this for me, be very careful not to be um, putting a guilt trip on anybody. I never want to do that. I really never want to. Um, it's not the right, it's not the right thing. You know, there's a conviction, there's guilt. You know, we should be convicted when we read the word of God. We should be challenged, right? To to take a step, to 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 be a little bit better than we are today. You know, that should be our goal. And in order to do that, we might have to offend ourselves, you know? So, and be willing to do that. So anyway, so these are some, there's some good stuff here. This is, this is good. Uh, So today the, the title of the message is commanded to love time. We got, okay. We're good. I think I'm going to have enough material and actually finish. We'll touch on everything. I hope. Um, But the title of today is commanded to love. And I want to read through first John two, one through 11 and that'll be our framework for this message. So 1 John 2, 1 through 11, my little children, <clears throat> I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. <clears throat> Sorry. I wanna stop there for a second too, because I think if, we, if you can think back, at the uh, first chapter, it's so cool because John he's like reiterating certain points, and he's talking about like, um if you say you have no sin, if you say you have not sinned and he and he and he touches on all these things, and they're they're different enough to have different uh, aspects to them. But then it's so cool because he says, "My little children, think of this from a fatherly perspective, the our father." I'm writing these things to you so that you don't sin. But then it's like, this is how I paraphrase this, right? I Paraphrase this this way. And you can reject my paraphrase if you want, but it's like, but relax. Yeah, all that stuff is so you don't sin, but relax. Because you know why? You have an advocate with the father. So don't beat yourself up. Don't be condemned by that. Understand that that's not the point. But it's to, the goal is to not sin. But we do have an advocate. It's like so cool. It's so sweet. It's like, listen, (laughs) you know, you have an advocate. It's cool. Your sins are paid for, but it doesn't let us off the hook, right? It doesn't. So it's good stuff. Anyway, so I'll go through the rest. And by this, we know that we have come to know him. And if we keep his commandments, whoever says I know him, uh, I'm sorry. And by this, we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, whoever says I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him, but whoever keeps his word in him. Truly the love of God is perfected, made mature, complete. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Very important. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him, there is no cause for stumbling, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And so this brings me to that question. Well, what commandments, what commandments And we're told explicitly all through the New Testament that it is not another list of rules that we're given to follow. It's not. It's not like, I have to do this. 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 We're told two things. We're told, given two commandments. And I want to start, well, I don't want to get into those quite yet because I want to go back and, and look at love for just a second and what it really means, but we're commanded to love. So I'll leave it right there. We'll get into the scripture after that, but we're commanded to love. When Jesus talks about this greatest commandment, you know, I I guess I'm going to say the scripture anyway. Um, Love the Lord, your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets are dealt with by that, they're fulfilled in that. So that's where we're going. So what is love then? You know, what is it? And we talked about this a bit, but uh, in a little more detail. So there are four kinds of love, right? There's phileo love, which is friendship love. There's storge, which is familial or fatherly love. There's eros, which is um, uh, like erotic love. And then there's agape, which we, No, is not something that wasn't really part of the vernacular prior to Christ. Because it's the kind of love that stands out from those others. Because it says, it's, it's kind of defined this way. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's kind of the definition, right? It goes beyond the other loves goes beyond that. Now, agape um, means selflessness or to prefer someone before yourself. Um, And we have this example, right? Uh, And I mentioned that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I wanna touch on the first thing, that first commandment that Jesus gives us in loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, And, and kind of what that, what that love looks like and kind of a basic idea of it. And we touched on this last time as well. It's like preferring his will over mine, his will before mine, his way of doing things before my way of doing things. It's, it's us accepting the challenge to bear ourselves completely to God and be willing to take action on the things he shows us. That's kind of like a, a definition of love, you know, what it means to, to love God. But I think we have some, I think we have some, maybe some more fuller definitions throughout the scripture. So let's look at what his commandments are first. So let's look at the love God first in John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. In first John five, three, it says for this, is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Mark 12 30 says, and you shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Think about that for a minute. What else is there to love God with? What else? Our heart, our soul, our minds, our strength, there's nothing else to give him. That is all we are. That's what he wants from us. He wants us to love him with all of that. He wants us to be completely emptied of who we are, dying in every way to our own agendas, allowing God's word through the Holy Spirit to determine who we are, what we do, It means fixing our eyes on Jesus, having our minds renewed by the word of God, that every thought, every word, every aspiration, every action is challenged by the truth of God. Like that's a pretty high bar, right? That's a high bar. And that goes back to that idea of walking in the light. Because as we do that, as we expose ourselves, if we're willing to let him change us, then we're, we start saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. That's what it's about, right? So and th- this is great. So, uh, um, so how do we get there though? How do we get to, to that place? How do I love God? And I will go to Philippians 4.8. <clears throat> we'll read a, a few verses. Um, Philippians and Hebrews. <clears throat> Philippians four eight says, "Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, or if if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things." In Hebrews twelve two it says, "Looking to Jesus." Now that's ESV. I don't know what version says this, but but I I like. Fixing your eyes on Jesus better. Fixing your eyes. Because what do you do when you fix your eyes on something? You are, you are focused. You are not moving from that spot. It's like looking through a scope with a red dot. Right, John? (laughs) And it's like you're fixing on that target. And you're, you're just, that's what you're focused on. So fixing your eyes on Jesus. The author or founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And <clears throat> Hebrews 3:1. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. I think that those things think about these things, fix your eyes on Jesus, consider him. Is, if not the whole thing, the beginning of us understanding how to love him? Let me explain that a bit. Is there anything more excellent, more praiseworthy, more lovely, more commendable than what Christ has done for us on the cross. Is there anything more than that? Nothing. And when we fix our eyes on him, not just the founder or beginning of our faith dying on the cross, but the perfecter of our faith, when we fix our eyes on him and we see what he's done for us, what does John say? Love, we love God because he first loved us. It's the beginning of us loving him is fixing our eyes on him, seeing what he's done for us, that he's broken. He's emptied himself, emptied everything about himself so that we could have a relationship with him so that we have our sin taken care of. Man, if we do that, then it becomes, it becomes just the natural response. Say, God, what do you want from me? That's not another set of rules. That's fulfilling the law. That's loving God. That's that daily. And it's, and it's more than just like a Sunday thing. You know, it's a a daily minute by minute response to God. You know, I, I, as I'm going through this, like scripture pops in my head and stuff. And it's so cool because like, I've always looked at that one scripture that says, pray without ceasing. And I'm going, Oh, what do I do with that? You know? And I have to work. I got, I got stuff I got to think about, you know? But I think that's what this is. Praying without ceasing is consistently putting your, remembering what he's done, thinking of him and putting and, and realizing how far we are from that. And realizing what, how much he's given up so that we could have what we have in him. And that's a state of being, I think. And if we're in that state of being, we're loving him. Because there's nothing he wants us to do that we won't say, Lord, whatever you want. You know, it's not, again, he's not a tyrant up there saying, you need to do this. Saying, love me, you know my desire, you know, it just changes who we are. Ah, man, it's so good. So good. Um, The other cool thing, when you think about it, like we do communion the first Sunday of the month. um, And when he says to his disciples, you know, do this in remembrance of me. Like, you know, you can look at that and kind of, Yeah, yeah, okay, remember Jesus, you know, okay, it makes sense. But I think it's another call to fixing your eyes on him. Another call to saying, remember what I did for you, that I was broken for you, that my blood was poured out for you. Why? So that you can walk in love, so that you can fulfill the law, so that you can walk as Jesus walked. That's what it's about. That's what Christianity is. It is what it is. It's so good. It's, ah, uh, uh, I get so excited about this. <clears throat> um, so now there's an interesting thing there too, because we, we see, we remember what he did for us, right? On the cross. But then it's not just that he, he saved us with what he did. It's that he gives us the example of who we're supposed to be. And that not just in like his daily walk and you read that uh, the gospels and it's like, oh yeah, well, he healed people. He spoke the truth. He did all these things. You know, he, he gave food to the poor. No, he tells us how to walk. And I'll read that. So I'll leave you hanging for a second. Um, <clears throat> Cause I want to get to love for others. And this is where, I want to be, but not right here, but a little further along, we're going to get a little more personal. I'm going to start talking about family and stuff like that. So just fair warning, fair warning. Um, but so love for others. And I want to read John 13, 34 through 35. And this is, these are the commandments for that. A new commandment I give to you, <clears throat> that you love one another. But we could stop there, right? You can stop there. Uh, Commandment, just love one another. And I think that's what a lot of people do without even knowing it. But what does he really say? Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So, but what does that love look like? We've just been through it, but Philippians 2, 3 through 8 says it so well. And I think that we, uh, a lot of times when we read this, if you know these verses, you can be, uh, I think we refer to 5 through 8 a lot more than we refer to the two verses prior to it. But I think those two verses prior to it are important because it says what the context is. It says, this is about loving one another. And Philippians 2, 3 through 8 says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then he says, have this same mind, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, which Jesus had this mind that Jesus had who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped or a thing to be used for his own benefit. He wasn't using it. He wasn't holding it, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. This passage is talking about our relationship with other people. He's not only shown us what he's done for us, but he's given us the example of how we're supposed to be with others. It's to be this, that we would not have selfish ambition or conceit, that we would be humble, that we wouldn't consider ourselves more than other people, that we would value them, that it wouldn't be our interests only, but others as well that we would have the mind of Christ that is this, that he emptied himself of everything he was for the benefit of us. That's a pretty high call. That's pretty, that's pretty idealistic. I will say like it is the highest call, but we're called to that. We are, as, as we name the name of Christ, this is who we are. These, this is the challenge we have. And to get back to the map, that's the map that gets you there. We might disagree with that. We might say, ah, you know, that's too hard, or I'll never be able to do that. And I'm not saying perfection. But I'm saying you stay on that map, no matter how hard it is. It's like Pilgrim's Progress, if you know this, that, that story. You know, I think I, I remember listening to it, I think on the radio and uh, like Pilgrim's Progress talks about this. The main character is, his name is Christian. And I remember a time where he's on this, on this dark path and it's treacherous. And if he goes a little bit over here, he's off the cliff and it's, but he has to just stay on that path. Has to stay on that path. No matter how difficult it is, he has to stay on the path. That's what we're called to do, right? Stay on that path. The way is not easy; it's narrow, but it's the only way. So we're aiming for the highest possible thing. Now I want to take that and kind of bring it down to a more kind of uh, personal part of of the church, who, who we are, and, and re- in relation to um, the family and the church. You know, the this is. Um, this is a call to us, right, individual, to, to one with another, to have this kind of attitude towards one another, as Christ had and gave himself for us. Um, there's a lot to be said about that, and there's a lot that I think with you, know, as the Lord leads, he'll, he'll work as we're willing to just just present ourselves to him and want to know from him and, and those kind of things. And a lot of that is on us, you know, our own personal growth with him. Everybody's in different places. So I kind of want, I'm hoping that everybody can get a little something from whatever is being said here. Not everything is going to be for everyone. And so as we look at things like, like the family, I want to really focus this on husbands. And the reason I do that is because in Ephesians, 525 it gives us a command as husbands <clears throat> that relates to this Ephesians 525 I can't get out of Ephesians Steve can't get out of Ephesians I you know it's just where we go um, 525 through 30 it says husbands love your wives stop there that's it that's all we need to know right that's it we don't need to read on husbands love your wives. Oh, okay. And I think that again, that we tend to do that. We tend to not look at what it's really telling us to do. And we can gl- like gloss over these things that are so important. The how of the what we're supposed to do, the why of the what we're supposed to do. But he say he doesn't stop there, but he says, this is how you love your wife. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How did Christ love the church? He emptied himself. He became less than he was so that he could bear everything. He could die to himself for us. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And it says that he might sanctify her, just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Like what does that, what does that look like? What does that look like in a family for a husband to truly love his wife as Christ loved the church? It's a, it's a hard, it's a hard thing. And I know for me, it hits me because uh, i had th- I had a lot of years where I had thought like, you know i'm I'm doing the right thing i'm I'm the one accountable uh for my family, I'm responsible for the the things that go on I'm, I do all these things and and uh and my wife and I were not getting closer. I was making decisions for the future. I was looking ahead saying, this is probably the best thing for the family because I have to I have to give an account because I'm the responsible one. That's true. That is true. I do. I have to stand because I am the one who's, who's the lead here. But if I'm going to be the lead, I need to be the servant of all, Jesus says, right? And so I had a lot of years like that. But there's a scripture that says husband and wife are to become one flesh. Now that means a lot more than just a physical relationship or consummation of the marriage or whatever. There's so much more to that. It's not just that it's more like this. It means our everything is one that we share interests. Our plans are shared. We share our future hopes. We share our thoughts, our opinions, our desires, our dreams. We have honest communication. We're growing together as one unit, as one thing, one flesh. It can't be me making this the decision and me wanting to do this. And then she's, oh, I don't know. That might be a, a bad idea. Ah, you know, you don't, you don't know what you're talking about. It can't be that. It can't be that. We have to consider our wives above us. We have to consider what they say. We have to consider how they feel. We need to be what they need us to be at the time of their need. Christ was everything to everyone when they needed it. He was, he was mercy to people when they needed mercy. He spoke the truth when they needed the truth. He, 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 would feed the, um, the people who are, well, that's mercy. Um, but he gave grace to the people who were humble. He, he, he did these things. He was everything to everyone when they needed it. That's our example. That's who we're supposed to be. And if we can't hear what our wives are saying to us because we're so caught up in what our own agenda is, we're not loving our wives like Christ loved the church. Because he gave up his agenda. He had no agenda. He gave it all up for us. And now look at our relationship with him. It's so cool. It's so cool because we're the body of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. What an example. And I'm going to tell you, and I don't say this just to be like... um want to pick on guys. Again, it's never my intention, Um, but we, (laughs) but we have to, if we get a hold of this and we aim for the highest thing possible and we're doing our very best to love God with everything we are and love our wives like we should and love others like we should, then families will be strong in the church The church will be a lighthouse on top of a hill. People will see it and go, that's where hope is. That's where life is. That's what I want. And that's what we're supposed to be. That is Christianity. So I have like five minutes, five minutes, Joel. Five minutes. Um, So think about these things. So 1 Corinthians 13, right? and I'll put this challenge on us. Are we patient? Are we kind? Are we envious? Think about that. That's an interesting thing. Are we envious? Could be, you know? Are we boastful? Are we proud? This is a tough one. Can we hear what she has to say to us? I mean, really hear be willing to adjust ourselves based on that? Or do we think that we know the right way all the time? Am I rude? Am I self-seeking? Am I easily angered? And this is is a kicker right here because this is so, so bad. Keeping an account of wrongs. Are we holding things that were 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and not seeing the little bit of growth that there might be, you know? um, Not giving credit to the Lord working in that. I mean, as Christians, that one I struggle with the most to understand because when we see what he's done for us, how do we hold on to other people? How how keep them guilty of their wrongs when he's done everything so that we could be free from ours? It's so, uh, it's such a terrible place to be. Do we find no pleasure in evil, not seeking to see the other person hurt? Are we spiteful, malicious, cutting, passive aggressive, wanting them to get the justice they deserve? These are important little things that we might not even think about. The way we talk, the way we respond to our wives very important. Do we find joy in the truth? Are we walking in the light, wanting God's truth to work in our lives? Are we willing to let our unwillingness to look at ourselves truthfully hurt our wives, possibly destroy our marriages? We, we, are, we cannot do that. Would we be happy standing before the Lord today, confident we're doing all that we can, to love our wives. This doesn't mean perfection. This means I'm doing what I can right now with my capacity, my ability. Am I doing it? Would I be okay with that? Am I bearing all things, believing all things, hoping in all things, enduring all things? This, I want to go back to Philippians 2, 3 through 8 because I want to kind of look at it a little different. Think of it this way, guys. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count my wife more significant than myself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interest of your wife. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Again, emptied himself. I'm going to give you just a couple little pointers, right? Try and get some practical stuff in there. Sorry, my nose is running. I apologize if I'm sniffing a lot. Okay. One of the things that had actually been really great for my wife and I, and I'm so grateful the Lord has done such work in our marriage. I was an absolute jerk for a lot of years. Um, But we would. I would come home from work and it would be like, okay, let's have a business meeting, 10 minutes. And we would get away from the kids, go up to whichever room was available because we don't have any free rooms in our house. And we would just say, take 10 minutes. All right, let's talk. Let's just talk about things. Well, uh, what happened today? What are your thoughts? Those kind of things, 10 minutes a day. That was really good. And I would say that at minimum, and I heard somebody say this, <clears throat> At minimum, 90 minutes a week of good, honest communication. Not talking at each other, but talking with each other. That's important. You know, you always hear that. Communication is key. It's so true. (laughs) Honest communication. Truth is the only way to fix anything. Reality is real, whether we like it or not. And we can only delay the inevitable by denying reality reality will win and if we can take one night a week make it a date night that's huge because it's away from trying to get away from everything at least in my house I have to get away from you know, like there's no quiet ever so to be able to say all right we're going out hang out for an hour hour and a half hey you'll get your 90 minutes in Okay, no, I'm kidding um but uh But anyway, so those are some practical things that maybe we could apply and start this process of really loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving loving others as Christ loved us. All right? All right. So Lord, I just praise you. Thank you. Can't thank you enough, Lord. You are so good. So I pray that you would be mighty in this church. you would do mighty things through this body, through your church as a whole, Lord, that we would see ourselves as the, as members of this great bride of Christ, that we would see ourselves as uh, um, as the light and a reflection of what we're supposed to be of you, this, this, the highest aim, that we would always be focused on you. And it would put us in that place where we're willing to just give up everything, Lord, whatever you want. I pray that we can all be there and we'll see you do such great work. So I praise you, Father. I pray for families here. I pray that we could be the, we could be the example. We could exemplify what a good family is like, what it's supposed to be. I praise you, Father. Thank you. I lift this to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.